How's everybody out here? This is Apostle JT, and we're live in the studio. Yeah, I said it, in the studio. And I have a special guest, Elder Brian Baker, that you know, my road dog, the one to be down with us. Uh, him and I are going to join together in some unity and just share the things that uh, come to mind. Um, but before we start, and before I introduce him or bring him in, let me go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I bless you for the opportunity as always, for what you have done for us and how you've done for us. We ask that the day that this podcast go forth and brings a newness to somebody that is looking for a way out, for somebody that is looking for a closer relationship with you, for someone that wants to be held, touched, and delivered um, out of their ways. So God, we ask that you rest and rule upon us. Show two or more gathers in the midst, but we touch and grace establish, and we're establishing that today's word go forth and bring forth plenty of fruit. With that being said, we'll carefully give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. There you go. You hear him. There he is, Elder Baker. Elder Baker, say hi to the to the people. Good evening. Good evening it is. Listen, we're going to go ahead and jump right in and we're not going to waste no time. The question that I'm having is, what is a saint? I mean, like, we know that people say it is, but what is actually a saint? Is it that you follow Christ, that you, you know of Christ, or you believe in Christ, or practice Christ, what makes you a saint versus make you a sinner? I don't know. What you think? Well, in my opinion, I think a saint is a blood-washed believer. Mm. One who walk, talk, and live the life of Jesus Christ. But in this, this day, there's so many saints now. Well, I won't say saints, but there's so many saved people saved. that doesn't display the example of a saint and what makes us a saint is when we receive the Holy Ghost save is just put you in a you changing or I'm saved I didn't say it to send his prayer but when you become a saint a blood washed believer you don't receive the Holy Ghost I agree with you now let's stop there a lot of times people are sitting back and they are saying you know what I have the Holy Ghost but then other people say you don't because they haven't witnessed you exchanging in um, what we call unknown tongues. We haven't seen the the what is it the the outer expression of the connection. Okay. And I, I, I'm trying to tread lightly because I'm not trying to offend anybody. But a lot of people don't believe that they have the connection and relationship of the Holy Ghost until certain things are on display. Well, a lot of people believe that, but I believe. When you repent and you ask for the empowering of the Holy Ghost, it comes upon you now. Maybe you don't speak, but when it comes, you're going to know it because it's a change. And I always say salvation ain't a group work. Mm -hmm. It's a personal experience. So my experience of the Holy Ghost and another person's experience of the Holy Ghost is completely different, I feel, in my opinion. I agree with you because if I look at John 14 and I think uh, 12 or maybe 17 one or two somewhere in that no it's more 17 when it says that when the spirit of truth go mm-hmm. say you'll know but the world will know and I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he said you'll know because it'll dwell with you and in you I believe that the transition between dwell with you and in you is when you truly confess and repent for all the wrongdoing then you can be filled with it. 
I, I, I believe if I could say I declare that I want Christ, that's the beginning stage of it. Uh-huh. But I think that then separates me from quote quote a sinner kind of thing because I'm trying to strive before God. Maybe I'm looking at Revelation three and twenty. Behold, I stand at the door and any man who becomes so. I think that's the invitation time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it it really goes into fruition until I understand what I'm asking for repentance from. You agree, disagree? What? Because I, I believe there has to be a process between your words and your actions. Meaning, okay, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Okay. But I'm still not filled until I repent, ask for deliverance, and then invite it in and accept it to be in. Okay, you know? yeah. So I, I, I guess... It's not a, as complex as maybe I'm sharing it. It's something simple because I believe when you, your mind is made up, it don't take all day to get that connection. No, it doesn't. Uh-huh. If you got a well-made up mind. But now, I believe that once we ask for forgiveness right. and we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin, come in. Come in. You be my God, I be your son, I be your daughter. So I believe once the infilling takes place, Sin no longer is a bind. Because he ain't going to dwell in no unclean temple. He ain't going to come in if it ain't clean. So once you ask for forgiveness, and once you make up in your mind that this is what I want, this is what I need, I got to have it in order to be a true saint, I believe it's coming in and it's going to dwell with you. As long as you stay right, it's going to stay. So, when you get messed up, it's gone. So do you... Okay, okay, let's look at this. Matthews 12, 43, 45, paraphrasing. Okay. It says, when an unclean spirit goes away, try to find a dry place, then they come back and say, let us go back to our house. But before that, they come and they investigate to see that the house is clean and mm-hmm. purified and all that. Mm-hmm. In other words, being prepared or another occupant is entering into the house, the premises, or whatever yes. you want to say. Uh-huh. Is that the same example of what we're looking at as when we're preparing for the gifting of the Holy Spirit that there has to be a cleansing and purification for it to come in? Yes. And as soon as it comes in, that's when the devil comes and says, let me become inspector to see if I can find some holes to come out because he already said ownership that we're his, according mm-hmm. to Matthews 12, uh, 43 through 45. Mm-hmm. But it's the Holy Ghost that keeps in at bay. And then he comes back. And the Bible says he come back with seven more. So you're attacked by eight more demons. But if you let it back in without getting the fulfillment of the Holy Ghost, the Bible declares that that person is way off, worse off than what they were prior to this, right? True. So I, I, I guess what we're saying is you have to know yourself the point when you receive God, when you made up your made up mind, and that you are confessing salvation. And then, only then, you would know if you had that inf- infilling or, uh, of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. But, so, if that being said, then why do we teach people certain practices in order for this to happen? When it's a made of mind, an individual quest. Because tradition. I think certain things in the Pentecostal movement was passed down through tradition, not through the Word of God, not through teaching. That's why it's so important as a believer... You have to get it in study work for yourself to know what you can do, what you can accept, how to accept, how to reject it, how to obtain it, how to rebuke it. See, in the Pentecostal movement, they couldn't read. Right. So it was hand me down. Right. Hand me down. All this hand me down. But now that believers are reading, young folk are educated now. They going and searching the word for themselves. So now they know what the Bible says, not what my grandma said. 
of my mama mama, of my mama daddy, of my auntie from Georgia. No. They going on what the Bible said now. And when we go by the Bible, we can make it. Just by so long, it was taught to us. Only way you can get saved, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Slobbing and spitting, stinking, hurting your knees and stuff. But the Bible said if you confess it, First, it say the word is not even in your mouth. If you confess it with your mouth, mm -hmm. believe it in your heart, That's right. you shall be saved. Yeah. But in order for us to come to that point, you got to have a changed mind. Salvation starts in the mind. Right, right. And, and I'm glad that you made mention of that. The problem that I'm having, and you know, I'm, a, I'm one against tradition and religiosity. I, I just beat my head with that yeah. because I don't understand how we can program people to only serve God in a box-like mentality. Like you said, the mindset yeah. has to change. I believe that people are too fearful of letting people explore the Bible for themselves, get the revelation through the connection of the Holy Spirit to bring a new awareness. Because I believe if you're brought into a place of awareness that the Holy Ghost gave you, it may separate you from this tradition and religiosity. I, I believe in some cases that people have been so programmed that when you bring a new awareness to them, they don't know how to respond. And the other thing that you mentioned, when people go down to our church, you know, we used to call it a tarrying service, we go down there and again, the Jesus syndrome for about 30 hours uh, or 30 days or whatever. But here's my only problem with that. Now, again, for my listeners, I don't want y'all thinking we're badgering any ministry Not at all. denomination. Not we're at just all. using some comparisons to what we're sharing. Because we can go and talk about the Baptists, we can talk about the Apostolic, we can talk about all of them. All of them have some type of traditional practice that we can bring question about, but we're not doing that. We just want you to open your eyes. This is our first version of getting you to look at things from another perspective. Back to what I was saying. When people went down to the altar and we had the set service where people who did not receive the Holy Ghost according to what the church setting was, they could come on these certain days and go down to the altar or during service and just plead on Jesus, 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 Jesus until this, this overcomes them. Now, here's my only problem with that. What happens when you go down Jesus all day long and you don't receive it? Do that Do that person not get up defeated? Do that person not get up thinking that God did not desire them again? Because the Holy Ghost is a free gift. But when you don't receive it, you don't see how they could possibly bring a negative in a Christian who is striving. And now, again, check this out. I can truly say that they maybe were not truly ready for the gifting. And that's why the hindrance came or the delay came. But... As a young convert, if I'm not getting what y'all sitting up there badgering me to do, and I get up from that, you all don't give me the love and say, okay, baby, you need some more. No, what y'all say is you got some more sin that you need to deal with. You beat that person up. I mean, you ain't going to admit it, but the truth of the matter is when you sit up there and somebody makes you feel like what you did was not worth it or you didn't achieve it, you feel less than what you are. This is why I believe that a lot of people go back into the world. And, and can, I, can I pause there for a second? I know you got something to say, but let me just say this part here. But on the flip side, we do not teach people of the gift. We teach them this part, but we don't tell them what all comes with that. We don't teach you how to nurture that new gift, that awareness, that new hearing that you hear, that new vision that you're seeing, that the, the new way of conversation that you have, that new feeling. We don't take the time to develop that in the individual, but we expect you to go down to the altar, say Jesus 50 million times, and when you get up, you're going to have all awareness. And we both know that's not true. But see, it's so important. 
with a newcomer. Now, explain what we say by newcomer. A, a newcomer is someone who has not yet experienced salvation. Okay. So, just like when you go to a new job, they give you orientation. They tell you what is expected of you at this job, and they train you to do the job correctly. That's the same thing. Right. When we come, when, when, as sinner, when they come into the church, and they say that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they want to be saved. You tell them what it means to be saved, how to be saved. And one thing as the Pentecostal movement, because that's where I'm at, when they come in to be saved, don't just rush it on them, but explain it to them. When you get saved, you got to, if you shacking, you got to stop shacking. If you cussing and drinking, you got to stop cussing and drinking because that's, that's not a part of the salvation movement. That's not a part of being saved. So if we can explain to them the process that it takes to be saved and to be filled and when you get filled what you have to do one thing about we got to realize is salvation and receiving the Holy Ghost it's a gift but you got to work to keep it you ain't got to work to get it right, right. but you got to work to get it it's certain we got to be holy so you got to explain this to the people that's why they come in G G G G G, and they ain't got nothing because right. they don't know what they calling Jesus for Really, because they haven't been explained. But if we take the time to explain it as leaders, right. and and you said earlier about um, the church and pastors. See, some pastors want to be have inheritance over God people. Right. You're not Lord over God's inheritance. Come on now. You that are developed to watch over their soul, make sure they going the right way, not control. Pastors don't control nobody. They don't control themselves. God do the control. So what we have to do is make sure we understand. That's why everybody can't be a leader. Right, right. But if we can make sure that we truly can say that God has called us into pastorship, then he will help you. And even as a pastor, sometimes they need some help pastoring. And they ain't nothing wrong with that either. Just go get it. Because you don't know everything. But wait, wait, wait. See, that's another problem. I... I, I and I know we, we're still dealing with this connection and relationship that comes through the Holy Ghost. That's one thing that I do teach. The problem that I'm having also with mm -hmm. that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus syndrome is when you get leaders who themselves don't know why they're telling people to do this. They don't know how to teach them to develop the connection and relationship that is needed. But all they can do is tell them, do as I say and as I want. No, you need to show these people, hey, listen, let me, let me show you another way. Let's look at the Word of God. Let's see what the Word of God is saying in this hour for this. Let me show you how you read three verses up and three verses, or three chapters before and three after, so you can get the whole context of what this Word is saying. And maybe through the connection and relationship, that you will get some newfound revelation that's going to steer you through the darker days to come. A lot of times what people do is they sit up here, and because they haven't been taught, All they've right. been learning by whatever. Tradition. Yeah, tradition. You know, now we say religiosity, the mm -hmm. new version. Yes. And we get lost in the shuffle. And, and another thing is, some of them are, and I'm going to say it, are ignorant to the fact that they can learn something new. They feel that it's only one way to please God. And I've started a series, and I've been doing it for a year, but now I've really pressed in on it, and I'm teaching kingdom. Jesus thought it was so important that he spent the last 40 days prior to going to heaven after resurrection to teach them kingdom. And I believe there's something key in the kingdom 
but yet I know it's something healing because it brings you a revelation that helps you to navigate through the ups and downs of life. It is not so cut and dry, but as long as you believe and have the Holy Ghost, you know that you're going to come out. You can really stand on 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 that he'll put no more you can bear without an escape. You got to start looking for that escape plan. God has to illuminate that escape plan. He says, I have you not to be ignorant, but you have to have a willingness to look at things from all perspective. You cannot have a box-like syndrome like they had in Ezekiel 37 and 11. They put themselves in a stony grave. And that's a mental block. When you begin to look at things only in this, what you see before your eyes, you're limiting God to move. You got to be open to say he'll come in any way, any form. And then as a leader, we have to be flexible enough to say when we don't know, we don't know. But we're willing to go and learn and get it and come back to assist you. And even if I don't get it, I'm going to keep going or I'm going to send you to people that I think can help you out. I do not have all the answers. But if I believe, if God wants me to teach you, he's going to educate me to help you. But the thing is, you have to have a willingness yes. to not look at things box like yeah. that tradition falls into place. I, I, I just believe that you can should be able to go to a Catholic church and learn something from that, if God is in that. I believe you can go to a Baptist, Pentecostal. You can go anywhere to hear word of God. And I, and I tell the people this at the church. Um, I said to them, I said, have you ever noticed nowhere, no matter where you go in the world, in the morning, somewhere you will see some birds on a wire on a tree chirping. And religiously, they out there, the same time, same day, a group of them chirping. Now, I said to myself, they, they're worshiping my Father, my Heavenly Father. I, I, I believe they're coming in unison, and they're singing a song of praise unto Him. Yes. No matter what the weather looked like, they know they have to be on that thing at a certain time. And just, If we were as disciplined as they were, or they are, oh my God, could you just imagine what type of Pentecostal movement we could really have? But that's why the Bible says, if we don't worship, Come on the rock's going to cry. But I made up in my mind, they ain't crying out for me. No, I'm going to try to worship God with all I got. And I like when you talk. See, when we talk about leadership, the church is falling. A lot of people don't believe it now. It's falling mm -hmm. because of leadership. Right. The Bible said when the head is sick, the whole body is sick. Not physically sick, spiritually sick. So we have to look at it as in these days and age, we need good leadership. Leadership that's not afraid to say, uh, Ella Baker, I'm gonna have to get with you on that. Right. I don't know. I need to go look at the scripture, ask some questions, consult the Lord for right. the understanding of this particular scripture that you have asked me about. But see, when they don't know, they dummy it down. Mm -hmm. And that's making the church sick. And then another thing, as I said, as believers, as leaders over the sheep of God, sometimes leaders don't know nothing to maintain healthy sheep. Sheep are animals that got to be led. They got to be guided to drink, led to the best grass to eat. But some leaders, I wonder, have God called them? Or was they just going by themselves? Well, you know what? And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. Because 
my heart goes out to a lot of the leaders, now they're leaders, and they're mostly elder, elderly leaders, because a lot of them are were grandfathered in, as they say, because they was in a church and their pastor passed or left for whatever reason, and they were the next one up. And so what they did, they just jumped in, did the best they can, and they've been surviving. Yes. This far. Yes. But even then, even in that, I, I would truly say there had to be a time where God said you need to be more trained or more developed or more something. But I believe our, their pride came into play. And their and tradition. Once, yeah, tradition and religiosity yes. and everything else that's around that came into play and said, you know what? I don't need to learn. I've already arrived. I've already got it. I got a few people and we're going to keep pressing with this. I believe that's the, the most injustice that can be done to the body of Christ is when someone stops seeking the willingness to learn and you call yourself a leader. There's no way that, that you can get before God's people and these people are coming, they're coming more educated, they're coming more knowledgeable, and they're coming more hungry for the word. So you're just not going to snowball them over and say this and that. They're going to begin to ask questions. Now, here's another problem since we're talking about leadership. I said, I guess y'all said how we got on this, but we're here now, so let's run with it. Let's go. The problem that I'm having is that there are no more development sessions in the church. Bible study is now obsolete in most churches. And if they are, they're going by a handbook or Sunday school lesson from last week or refresher or the pastor's preach. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. But if your people are educated and they're now looking for more, more zeal, more zest, more, more knowledge, there has to be something in you that God says, let's go off the script and let's feed them what they're seeking. The, the Bible teaching or the Sunday school lesson may be profound and it may have everything you need for Sunday. But on that Wednesday, Thursday Bible study, you might need to deviate from that and go a little deeper some of the things. Maybe take the time and speak to them about the movement of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know. That's just me. I don't. I Me, when I teach, believe you me, I have never grabbed a chapter and finished. As much as I love Romans, one of my favorite books, Corinthians, I have never went from chapter to chapter on it. I, I just haven't been led like that. Now, that's me. Because I'm more radical probably than most people. Because me, myself, I desire to learn more of God. And I want to share that knowledge with somebody else. And other churches may have a set schedule where they go through each one of them. And that's beneficial for that church. I'm not knocking that. But what I do have a problem with is when there's no, 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 no place for the kids or when I say kids, I'm talking newcomers, converts, and, and, and up to level, have an opportunity to learn from a Bible teaching setting where they can ask the question, raise a hand, and say, hey, listen, I'm not clear on this. Because on Sunday, majority of the time, we're just preaching to them. We may be teaching a lesson, but they have no chance to rebuttal or ask any questions. They have to wait till over, and then someone says, they write a note, and I'm going to come back and ask the leader later, and they never do. But in Bible study, I believe if you open up a forum, now mind you, make sure that you're able to deal with an open forum. Some of you cannot, because an open forum, somebody may ask the question that challenges the very thing that you're speaking of. And if you're not sure about what you're speaking, you can look for somebody with an egg on your face. Make sure that if whatever you're teaching, that you take the time to study and develop the teaching so that when these people come, you'll be able to give them what thus saith the Lord. And if they come back and say, well, I'm not clear with this, you'll be able to break it down to a smaller segment. Then I said, or you can say, hey, listen, right now it's not the setting for that. We can meet up later on. We'll schedule some time so you and I can rightly divide this scripture so you can ask all the questions here. But at this time, I have to get to this, 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 or that. And I'm not putting you on the back burner. But the question that you have is deviating 
away from where we're trying to go today. And I want to give you the opportunity to get clarity. But right now, let us focus on whatever. Yes. But if you don't give them an opportunity to learn, you'll just let people go on Sunday or whatever time you preach on one lesson and tell them to carry that lesson for the majority of the week. And, and, and then next week you give them another lesson. Well, when did they get to ask you a question? When they begin to say, hey, Elder Baker, remember you preached about the lady at the well. And you said that she had all these husbands. Why, why Jesus didn't rebuke him? Why didn't, well, he did or he didn't. Or didn't. When did you have that opportunity to learn? That might be a learning curve because that person may be involved in a relationship where they their self feel like they connected with multiple people and they're looking for the escape plan. They're looking for you to give them some revelation. I'm not saying you're condoning sin or anything, but they just may be looking for the answer uh -huh. that they can stand on so they won't continue on the sin. But if you never give them an opportunity, but that's why it's so important as leaders to know spiritually where your members are. And then if you're not able or capable, you need some assistant pastors, <clears throat> some elders, some evangelists, some missionaries that can help the church to grow. Because sometimes it might just be out overwhelming for the pastor. And sometimes, believe it or not, them pastors don't know nothing. <laughs> and it, like you said, it came down them, to them through tradition right. or through re religiosity. I, oh, I've been here 20 years. And when they died, it just fell on me. But even with that falling on you, you just ain't equipped. Okay, so let me ask you that. I'm sorry if I cut you off. No, I'll finish with that. What do you do when you know that you're not equipped, but yet you're still the pastor. You got a pastor. I, okay, let's take this, not Elder Baker's response, but let's look at the, the pastors that you're talking about. What do you think their response would be? They know with everything in their mind, they're not equipped. Let me pause it. Wait a minute. If their pastor Mm -hmm. And they're called by God, they're equipped. They are equipped. But if you've been appointed by man, there's a possibility that you're not. Yes. Now, I'm saying you're going to do a good job to your best ability. But when your people begin to elevate, you need to elevate. But what do you do when you can't get to that next level for your people? What do you do then? They need to get some help. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to come to you, Elder Baker. Listen, man. But I can't use me because I have no problem coming to ask people for help. But in this situation, how many pastors did you know without giving names? We know we're going to keep them. Yeah. <laughs> that would really come up to you, Elder Baker, and say, listen, I know you're a study of the world. And I have people in my building right now that need to be developed to our next level. But I can't do it. Can you come in and teach them the things that I can. How many? How many do you know will come? In? Now, I, you know, you know, we we got a perfect scenario with with us how that happened. But for the listeners, yes. How many people do you think will come? Because what, first of all, they got to judge you for your age. They got to judge you for your appearance. Yes. They gonna say that you don't have enough. You don't have this and this. They don't trust the God in you. See, I don't understand because you when they do stuff like that. I know I'm getting a little winded, but think of this. 
The Bible says in the last days, he's going to pour his anointing on all things. He oh, kids, this, 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 that. He has to label it out. So if he's pouring his anointing on you being youth and they're old, shouldn't they take advantage of this knowledge? Or do you let your sheep die? Now, I think one of the main reasons why elderly pastors, male and female, don't ask for help from the elders in the church, ministers in the church, the apostles, the event, because power. They don't want to lose they they stand. They they whatever. Whatever they think they got. They don't want to lose it. And then another thing, they get so offended because of age. Right. Cause they so suck on old know the way. But not knowing the way means you don't know everything, but you know enough to help all your sheep come up to what God is causing them about. Or get help. Or get help. And see, that's the thing. You know, you go to people's church, they see a certain movement, they agree to the movement. It was did the way the Bible say, acts. But yet and still, fear came in. Right. And that's another thing, fear. Power. Struggle, fear, and think somebody want their church. Exactly. And and that's not that we know as a believer, you know your place in the church when you go. I know my place, even where I remember at. It's certain things go on there. I don't care for. But get what? I ain't the pastor. And things that don't go the way the Bible say. Whether it's the pastor, my mama there, the deacon there. It's going to be required on somebody here. You know why? Because that's what the Bible says. That's what it says. That's what it says. And all we can do as a believer in any ministry where you feel that you are not being taught. First of all, if you don't feel you're being taught spiritually right, you need to go somewhere. Now, that's just my opinion. Right. But if you feel you there, just want to stay there and die, that's your, that's your that's business. Your but I'm like the Bible. Choose ye this day. I ain't serving man. I'm serving the God in man. And if I can get an understanding of that and ask God to help me and keep me. And another thing I like when you say all the time, Apostle, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. You say you saw them three years. And you know what? They could do the same thing. And another thing you said about kingdom. You know why Jesus taught kingdom? Because he, he had to put in them kingdom minds. <laughs> and once we get that kingdom mind, we know what kingdom is all about. And see, a lot of people don't want to teach kingdom because you know why? Right. They ain't want to be kingdom teachers. No. They want to be, oh, trying to make excuses for sin. Right, right. But in hell, they're going to lift up their eyes. Wow, wow. Hey, listen, uh, listeners, I want to thank you all for tuning in today. Elder Baker just on the show is always bringing the truth and revelation unto mankind. He that has an ear, the Bible says, let him hear what the word of God has to say to the church. And I believe in this hour there was a word that went out to change our very view and yes. concepts that we have. Yes. Kingdom is what we do. Kingdom should be what we live. Because time is surely ending. And we want to make sure we're in the right place to receive what God said the Lord. With that being said, before I get up, I'll be remiss if I didn't give anybody the opportunity to 
give their life to Christ. I know we talk about the Holy Ghost. We talked about the pastors and teachers. But put all that to the side right now talking to you. Yes, you. If you're listening to this, and you may be a saint, you might be a ain't, you might be a sinner, you might be confused. But I'm here to tell you that if you give me 23 seconds, I can tell you how this God that I serve is the most amazing thing I've ever known. He brings me peace in the midst of the storm. He gives me comfort when nobody else can be there. And one thing I know, he still was my mother. to love you like never before. And I will give you my all. Glory. God, I ask you that if that person has said that, God, you welcome them into the camp. Put your heavenly angels around them and teach them and guide them. And if they confess that you died on the cross for their sin and raised up on a third day with power, then God, we believe that you will give them the day for salvation. God, with that, we glorify you and we thank you for letting them into the camp. Now, listener, if that been you or you who backslide has given your life back to Christ, I ask you that you go find the church that teaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let them know it was a time such as this on this podcast that you heard the word of the Lord and you decided to hear. And you go and you tell them about the greatness of God. And if you can't find a church home and you're looking for one, please look down on the notes on this podcast. Email me, inbox me, whatever it needs to be. I'll coach you until you find the place that you can call your home. And if you're in the South Florida area, please come by and see me at the God's calling you, your life is given birth. We look forward to spending next time with you. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to you. Have a blessed one.